With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's amazing after nine episodes, I still get caught up on that Block Talk Radio announcement. But hey, guys, uh, welcome to the show. Hey, Jerry, what's going on? Not much, not much. It looks like we have uh, Josh Beezer on here with with us today, and we also have Cam Underwood and uh, Scott Solomon. How are you guys doing today? Doing well, thanks. Yeah, I'm good, Jerry. Good to be here. Doing all right, We have a lot to get to. It's wonderful to have you guys, and we have a lot to get to today. Uh, The show's scheduled actually for an hour and a half, so we may even spill over into some overtime. Um, I want to start right off the bat. You guys know I like the kid a little bit here. Uh, Cam, a couple weeks back you had a little argument. I wouldn't say argument, but a little debate online with uh, one of our uh, fans that put up a fan shot about uh, Ryan Williams and uh, and Olsen and saying that Olsen might be the better starter. Do you feel validated and uh, do you feel like saying I told you so at this point? Yeah, basically. I mean, I, I you guys know that I'm opinionated, but uh, it comes from a place of fact. You know, I, I read incessantly. I, I talk to a lot of people, you know, and um, I fancy myself as pretty intelligent. Uh, and, you know, it it's one thing when all the coaches and all the players say, you know, Ryan Williams or any player is the number one player at the position, uh, and then just kind of off the strength of, whatever, you didn't like a guy or, or, you know, he was under-recruited coming out of high school for whatever reason, you think, oh, there's no um, possible way that a guy can change or there's no possible way that they could be truthful. Well, you know, we saw that um, kind of play out yesterday. Um, and Kevin Olsen, you know, if if Rylands was playing like that, and I don't believe he was, then we were in deep trouble to begin with. Um, I mean, and on the 11-on-11 part, I think that he was 7-for-20. I mean, yeah, there were a couple drops in there, but, I mean, actually, it's kind of bore out what I think what we saw. Yeah, officially he was 7 for 21 with a pick and 65 yards. Greg Crow was 9 for 20 with a pick and 63 yards. Um, right. You know, and I don't want to bash on anybody, but, I mean, it was clear, and the coaches reiterated it again, Ryan Williams was better than that. He was ahead by a far margin. Yeah, certainly plenty of room for improvement. Um, real quick, before I get to the other gentleman on here, do you think that quarterback Cam has now taken over ahead of defense as a primary concern for the team? Oh, my God, yes. Um, I mean, it's just that that's the one position that handles the ball in every single play. That's the one position that puts the offense in uh, the right and proper play uh, when they go to the line and everything. Uh, and I think that you saw that's what they're looking for. Uh, Golden said uh, in the interview, uh, afterwards, and I saw this written up by the Miami Herald and the Sun Sentinel, we're looking for somebody to come in who can play and lead and execute. Um, and if those things don't happen, then uh, obviously the season will probably not meet our expectations. Uh, Scott, you had a nice bird's eye view from the press box uh, of, of the action. 
uh, I'd like your thoughts, and I'd like to know whether or not you have a giant calendar checking down the amount of days until Brad Kaya arrives on campus. I, I think Kevin Olson was uh, utterly unimpressive last night, uh, as I wrote, and I, I thought that uh, he uh, showed why he's clearly a distant number two behind Ryan Williams. Um Unfortunately, due to Ryan Williams' injury, he's the new number one. Uh, but had Ryan been uh, healthy, this wouldn't be an issue, uh, and, and Olsen wouldn't see the field. Uh, what I saw last night was indecisiveness. I saw quick feet. I saw him throwing off his, his, his back foot. Uh, I saw a lot of bad timing. Uh, I saw basically a kid that's not ready to play. And, and being a redshirt freshman, perhaps, uh, you know, some of the reports coming out of camp that said he was so impressive in practice, perhaps we should have tempered our expectation. Um, well, one thing from last night is last night was not really a scrimmage. You know, it, there was they were basically drills. So we really can't look into it and say that what would happen in a game situation is what you would have seen last night. Um, I think it could have been worse. But, but correct me if I'm wrong, even though they're running drills, they're actually running situational football where, you know, it was live football. It wasn't just drills. The The only person that was non-contact is the quarterback. So it was as close to game action, you know, as you can get. I, there are referees on the field, right? I mean, they, they pretty much tried to simulate as as close to game action as they could. Well, I think if it was a live, if it was an actual live game situation, it would have been worse. If they actually could hit the quarterback, uh, there would have been more sacks. Well, let me let me hop back in. Um, I was having this debate with some people on on Twitter earlier. People wanted it to be a spring game, a la we actually pick teams like we see all these other teams do. We had guys injured. I mean, you talk about Hunter Knight, and then we might talk touch on that later, uh, you know, he's not there. You have two running backs not there. You have 20 recruits who are not yet on campus. We And we were playing under the scholarship, uh, way under our scholarship limit last year to begin with. We just didn't have a full team. So, uh, I mean, to that point, we're going to pick up two even squads and run a game per se. Um, but, I mean, I, I don't think that it was a bad thing. People wanted to see one-on-ones, so they did the last Kane standing one-on-one thing. They wanted to see the quarterbacks more in the passing show, so they did seven-on-seven, or they called it nine-on-nine because they ran a couple linemen in there. I mean, it, people just want to be mad about everything. And, I mean, I know it wasn't perfect because nothing's perfect, but I think that going overboard and saying, oh, this was terrible and blah, blah, and there were no game-type situations, I think that that's disingenuous. I, I I agree. Um, I, I you know you make a good point about the fan base, and you know if you guys have listened to the Amigo show, he goes he talks about this a lot about our fan base. And, and there's you know if we're going to critique the team, we can critique the fan base ourselves included. Some um, you know that was kind of to my point about tempering expectation about what to expect from Olsen. But I you know reading the stat line, um, seeing what I saw. I, I can't help but be a little bit disappointed, um, you know, with, with his progression. I thought he would have been further along, and, and most of that was based on, you know, what we've heard about how well he's been performing in practice. 
And, you know, last well, week when we were all on this podcast talking about things to watch, we all said to a man that, you know, quarterback play with Williams being hurt was going to be something that the spotlight was going to shine brightest on. And, and it didn't appear that, you know, he, he thrived in that spotlight just yet. So um, I don't want to bash the kid too much, but I, I think we have to give a fair analysis of, of how he played, and it, it wasn't good at all. Um, get back to Scott for a second, and Josh, we'll bring you in shortly. Um uh, Scott, give us something good. Um, let, let, let's move away from quarterback play for just a second. Give us something good that you saw last night that, you know, is something Keynes fans can be optimistic about. I was very enthused with the running game. Uh, I, I thought that, uh, that that Gus ran hard. Uh, I thought he didn't quit. I thought Walter Tucker ran well between the tackles. I thought he had some big carries. I think he showed a little bit about what what he can do, and I think he's going to be a very good third-down contributor for us. Uh, I also like the way Malcolm Lewis played. I, I thought he made some nice grabs early. I think that, that Kevin Olsen was looking to him as his go-to receiver, and uh, I'm very enthused with the, the way he played. Okay. Now, now, Josh, I don't want to leave you completely out of this conversation. You're like me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you didn't get to see the game live, but I'm sure you watched it on ESPN3, like myself. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you see? Uh, and, and I want to ask you specifically, you know, what you saw from the defense that either you'd like to see improve or that you, you felt good about. Um, well, specifically about the defense, I thought overall I saw improvement, but it was a little difficult to gauge, as we've been talking about with the quarterback play, whether that was improvement by the defense or just bad quarterback play. Who really knows? Um, but I, w- I really like our secondary. I think um, Jamal Carter is and obviously been the reports coming out the breakout player kind of of this camp, and I would and that kind of, I think that showed um, in the spring game. Uh, that guy is just he finds the ball on every single play. He's always around it. Um, I think. Uh, if, if he doesn't contend, if he doesn't start this year, I think he can contend to start at the safety position this year. Did, did you think now, as we were talking about with Scott and Cam, you know, there's no hitting the quarterback, but did you think the pass rush looked a little better? I mean, they had two unofficial quote unquote sacks. I think uh, Kamalu had one and Chicolo had the other. Did you think the pass rush? Uh, uh, looked a little bit improved, or is it too hard to say, considering that, you know, the game wasn't quite live as far as the offensive backfield was concerned? Um, yeah, like you said, um, it's not exactly a live game situation. I think that not hitting the quarterback affects uh, judging the pass rush the most in that situation. Um, but I definitely think there was a little bit of improvement. Um, and Kamalu is another one of those guys that's um, reportedly had a very good spring Um Chicolo uh, looked like he had a little bit more burst than he has in the last year and a half, I would say. So I definitely think there's uh, some room for encouragement there. Uh, Cam, going back to you for a second on, on the same topic. Uh, what did you like, dislike about our defense? Uh, uh, which performers did you think did well, and which ones did you want to see more from? Uh, linebackers, I thought they really played well. Uh, we went with a lot of three-man fronts, so a lot of four linebackers on the field uh, through the 11-on-11 section, uh, and I thought that they lived up to the repu- or the, the statements of coaches um, and journalists in that day improved. I uh, was very excited uh, by Denzel Perryman. I know it's kind of a broken record, and we've been having uh, discussions about him, arguably the best inside linebacker in the country, um, and uh, Gus Edwards 
and Heat are no longer friends because Denzel Perryman absolutely baptized him on that one running play. Um, Jermaine Grace uh, out there making plays, uh, and that really excites me. He's up to about 210 pounds. He's never going to be a 245-pound beast, but, uh, you know, he made a couple plays in the running game also, so he was not just out there on third downs. Uh, so those two really showed me something. Darian Owens had his name called a few times. Raphael Kirby uh, also, same thing. Uh, so I was really uh, impressed by the linebackers. The pass rush up front, I think that they, they did well. Um Obviously, you know, you can't hit the quarterback, but there were times when, you know, the quarterback was allowed to keep the play going even though he would have been sacked if it were live action. Um, I want to see a little bit more from Calvin Hurdle. Obviously, on the inside, um, we need players there. Jelani Hamilton showed me a little bit. He had the tip ball uh, on the interception by Jawan Young, uh, who's still not doing really great stuff, but he's a freshman and he's in early, so he's doing well. Um, but, yeah, overall – Really pleased with the linebackers. Would like to see just a little bit more from Chicolo and Hamilton and Hertzlu on the inside. Uh, Scott, one of the guys that you singled out having a nice uh, game um, is, is Malcolm Lewis. Uh, we all know what he's been going through with injuries. Uh, last year was kind of a washout year. Can you talk a little bit about Malcolm and, uh, and what you saw? Do you think he can compete um, and be one of the top four receivers, maybe top five at least on, on this year's team? I think so. I saw him fighting for balls last night. I saw him, uh, you know, going up and getting the ball at the highest point. Uh, I saw him running nice, crisp routes, uh, and it seemed as though every time they 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 called his number, it was either a reception or it was awfully close. Uh, I think that he showed a lot coming back. Uh, you know, as you said, he did have an uneventful year last year, uh, and I, I think he played well. And I think he's got good chemistry with Olsen. Uh, yeah, that, that tends to be the case with guys that kind of um, do a lot of scout team stuff together. So you, you you think probably last year in practice they probably developed that, that chemistry. So that could be something to look for, um, definitely, if Olsen ends up being the quarterback going forward. Um, Josh, how about you? Uh, you did a nice article for us a couple uh, weeks, months back, a little ways ago, about the depth chart. Where do you see Malcolm Lewis falling in that depth chart, and, and who else on offense did you like? Um, I definitely see him being in contention for the third or fourth wide receiver. Um, obviously, I had Braxton Berrios being in the mix, um, but I uh, had wrote in that article before he had the ACL tear, so obviously that position is uh, open for competition, as it were. Um, I definitely think uh, Malcolm has the chance to be the slot guy, um, definitely be out there on three wide receiver sets and things like that. Um other guys on offense I like, um, I, Scott kind of mentioned it already, but Gus Edwards, I thought he ran really hard. I think he's running um, up to what his weight suggests he should run like. He's running with power. Uh, he's definitely running with his pad level better now. Um, I was really encouraged by him, and uh, I definitely think if Duke or Yearby aren't 100% going into the year that he can kind of take some of the load off of them in those early games. Uh, so getting back to Louisville for a second, uh, I think it goes without saying that uh, uh, Stacey Coley's got to be, you know, top one or two uh, without a doubt. Um, I, I think uh, Dorsett, because of his speed, has to see the field. Rashawn Scott and Herb Waters are kind of proven factors. Um, so I, I, I love the story 
about Lewis, and, and I want to see him succeed, and and more than anybody, um, because of what he's gone through. But I wonder if he's going to be able to crack that depth chart with what the he has. Um, I, I kind of see him as the number five spot right now, to be honest with you, competing with Barrios um, for that spot. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Uh, at, you know, his freshman year, before he got hurt, he showed good wiggle, um, good run after catch, you know, that ideal slot guy. But I, I'm not quite sure if he's quite as far along uh, to crack that lineup just yet, but that that'll be interesting. And to Scott's point, um, you know his chemistry with Olsen could push him further up the depth chart. Okay, so I want to move forward. Uh, Cam, are you with us? Yeah, I'm here. I was just uh, okay. listening to the the conversation. Okay, I thought uh, no, I thought I heard a like a disconnect sound or something. I wasn't sure if that was you, but um, Cam. You're, you know, guy along with Joe Garcia talking about recruiting. And yesterday was on top of, you know, the spring game. We had some big news in recruiting. Uh, Miami picked up two new guys. And, and I want you to give everybody kind of a, a, a scouting report on Patchen and Williams and, um, you know, where you think they could fit in down the line and how solid they are um, as recruits at, at the U. Okay. Um, well, I, I did mention them in the Unite preview article that I did uh, as some of the top guys who were visiting um, from out of town. Uh, we had a lot of top recruits there, and there were probably, I don't know, 40, 50, 60, 70 guys additional to any list that were out there. Uh, and this is including Twitter just because everybody was just saying, oh, I see these two guys or I see these three guys. So, I mean, it was, it was packed with recruits. Scott Patchen. Um, is a Kane legacy. His father played offensive line back in the 80s. Um, he's a six foot five, 225-pound defensive end from the Tampa area. Uh, you might remember the family name. His older brother is the Black Sheep, and we don't talk about him because he went to that school in Gainesville. Um, but Scott Patchen has a very good size, very good length, um, especially as we're transitioning more towards a base 3-4 defense um, for the outside uh, defensive end slash outside back or whatever you want to call that position, has a very good length, uh, and he has the frame where he could support 260, 270 pounds uh, in time. So a uh, very good defender. I think he was second-team All-State for his classification as a junior, uh, so looking for a big year, obviously, for his team coming up. Dexter Williams, um, he has a very big following, uh, there's a couple of Canes fans on Twitter, J.N. Gerhardt uh, was the first guy talking about him. He is an athletic student. Um, he had one of the highest spark combine uh, ratings um, in history when he did this year. He had 130.1, I want to say, ran a sub-4, 540, had a 44.5-inch vertical. Um, yeah, I mean, just an absolute athletic freak. Um and averaged like nine and a half, ten yards of carry for his team in high school last year. Uh, is going to the opening, the exclusive Nike um, career recruiting event in July, and he's just he's explosive. Uh, if you look up his highlights, I put him uh, in the uh, Welcome to the U post uh, on our on the State of the U site uh, yesterday. I mean, you just you see great things from him. Uh, he's an elite back. Uh, and getting him in this class, especially when in recent weeks people thought that Florida was the team to beat uh, and everybody else was very far behind, coming down, committing, saying he wants to be uh, a hurricane. That's a huge, huge recruiting win. I cannot 
oversell that. He's an absolutely amazing player, and getting him and Passion on the same day is great news. And that, that puts us at, what, nine recruits for uh, 2015 now? Yeah, that puts our class at nine right now. Um, and if you saw on Twitter last night, Peter Ayers uh, from canesinsight.com, good close personal friend of mine, he said that there might have been um, a silent commitment also in addition to Williams and Passion last night uh, and that you will be pleased about that. I don't know who it is, so I can't tell you. Um, but if that's true and we got another player and it's one of the guys who was there uh, with all that top talent who was at the game last night, that would be really, really great. Now, I, I want to get back to some of the other events of tonight, but I want to stick on this topic for a second. Now, I, I watched those Williams highlights, and uh, I was impressed as you were. Um, you said he has the potential to be a five-star guy. Uh, how important is he to our class? I mean, I don't want to speculate too much, but there's a chance Duke could go pro. You never know. When you're a running back and if you're projected to go high, you often have to take that chance because your health is, you know, so important and, and running backs get hurt so often. Uh, how important right. is Williams perhaps another running back to this class, um, you know, with the, the possibility that Duke could leave early? Well, I think that this class needed two running backs to begin with, um, and that's something, uh, again, that I wrote in the offensive recruits preview earlier uh, in this year, right after National Signing Day. Um, I think that we need two backs in the class anyway um, because we've been looking at a class needing two backs, two really good backs, pretty much since Duke came in. We didn't get it last year. Uh, when Gus came in, we didn't get it this year. You know, we got Joe, but we didn't get Sony. We didn't get Dalvin. Uh, and I know that people, you know, are still kind of hurt about that. But this year I really think we need two good running backs. So getting someone of Williams' caliber who's going to be a five-star recruit. And, you know, if you're talking about five stars, you're talking top 50 national players. He's that caliber of guy. Um, so securing him, that's huge. That's getting a Dalvin Cook. That's getting a Joseph Yearby. That's getting a Sony Michelle in the class early. And then anybody else that you get, and we have some great targets who are looking at us highly, uh, anybody else you add with that, that's just bonus. So I think that this is a really good, and it starts the positive momentum coming into the uh, high school spring football and then the Al Golden football camps, which is where you saw last year's class really take shape. Uh, absolutely. Um, Scott, now I want to get back to last night's game. We kind of went on a, a recruiting uh, sidetrack there, but recruiting is lots of fun. And, and you know, uh, getting those two guys definitely puts a positive spin on, you know, what might have been, you know, a little bit of a disappointing day in, in terms of what happened on the field anyway. Um, for where you're seeing the press box, what was the overall feeling of, you know, some of the, the writers, you know, some of the um, administrators, you know, all the people that, that were around you, what was the feeling – from the game, is there is there kind of a black cloud feeling, or do you think we're blowing this out of proportion? No, it was uh, definitely a dark night in the press box. It, it was very quiet. It was uh, very unhurricane like. Uh, there weren't a lot of comments made. You know, there were a couple of oohs and ahs on some of the drops, uh, but it, it was very quiet. And you know, I realize that it's a working press box, and you're not supposed to cheer, and you're not supposed to have any one-sided comments, but uh, typically you know, in the press box you're going to have a lot of banter going back and forth, and, and you're going to hear the writers talk amongst themselves, and it was very quiet. There wasn't a lot of media there to begin with, which was very surprising. Um, I, 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 I didn't see a lot of the, the normal beat writers that, that are normally covering these games. Um, it just 
the game did not get a lot of hype. It did not get a lot of fanfare. And I just didn't see a lot of interest in it. Right. Uh, that, that's that's pretty interesting. And, I mean, we've been having a lot of conversations. The Amigo did a whole show on it about talks about the stadium and fan support and things like that. And, um, uh, yeah, it, it's curious. Uh, you know, myself being an out-of-stater, I can't judge people for, you know, not going to the games because I try to get to as many University of Miami events as I possibly can. Um I, I just find it odd that, you know, people in South Florida, I would have thought, you know, on a Saturday night, uh, tailgate a little, get out early, see the new uniforms, which we're going to talk about shortly. Um, you know, I, I thought the school did a good job of promoting the spring game, and um, there, there's plenty of excitement um, leading up to it. So, uh, yeah, that was, that's surprising. I think they said something like 12,000 people were at the game. Does that sound accurate to you, Scott? No, I, I didn't see 12,000 people there. Uh, I would say I would say it was significantly less. Twelve thousand was being generous. And Cam, you were at the game as well. Would would you say that twelve thousand number was a bit high? You know, actually, I decided to stay home because I went out uh, earlier in the day, and that's when some of the positive recruiting news started happening. So I didn't want to change the mojo. Um, but from what <laughs> I saw, honestly, I believe that there were because. Um, I went over by the stadium on my, when I was out, uh, and I saw all of the cars, and a lot of the people were on the field because they only used about 60 yards of the field for the event. So you saw them on the field behind the barricades as the game went on. Um, and, you know, when you have big people or a lot of people just standing in a big open space, it's maybe not uh, – as easy to count as they would have been in the stands, but I believe that number to have been accurate for yesterday. You know what the problem is, Jerry? The, the, the problem is, is you look around the country yesterday and you see all the spring games, the, the, the traditional spring games that, that were held around the country, and you see 35, 45, 55,000 people showing up at, at, at different venues, and then you look at our venue, and you know, let's say their 12,000 number is accurate, Still, only twelve thousand people yeah. for uh, for a University of Miami spring game. Um, and and let, let's, Scott, to your point, I, I want to take a second here and let's give some credit where credit's due. Uh, Al Golden, you know, delivered two more recruits yesterday, and Cam did a great job summarizing and encapsulating how important these guys are and how good of players they are. And he's doing it without the rapid fan base that that other schools have the advantage of. You know, every kid wants to play in front of a full stadium. Every kid wants to hear his name screamed by, you know, 100,000 people. So I I just want to take a second because I think we as a fan base are quick to jump on this coaching staff in particular about what they don't do. But this is another day where Al Golden gets a win-win situation. And, you know, he's getting these guys to commit, and they're looking up and only seeing, you know, 12,000, give or take, or Monster Manos uh, in, in – in the crowd, so I, I I just think that's you know another great job by the coaching staff getting two more kids in. Um, despite you know, some I, 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 I want to jump in on this. I'm so tired of this conversation. I mean, it's South Florida. There were people at the baseball game. There were people at the beach. There were people all over the place. Just because there were only twelve thousand people at the spring game doesn't mean that it was a bad event. And like you said, we had 
I mean, a lot of people live out of state, and I had a lot of people that I was conversing with on Twitter who were, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm you know, in Delaware or Michigan or California or Wisconsin, and I can now watch a spring game because it's on ESPN3. And a lot of these places, that's the only place, the only thing they have to do. In Tuscaloosa, Alabama, there's not a damn other thing for you to do. And when you have a large um, um, alumni base, because Alabama, Florida State, have 70,000 students, a year, okay, and you're graduating 15,000, it's just going to be a different number. So forget all of that stuff. And if you if people don't want to go or people don't want to be there, that's fine. I had the choice to be there, and I chose to be home and interact in a different way. That doesn't make me less of a fan. I graduated from the University of Miami. So did you. So did Scott. Other people care, and it doesn't matter if you're physically there for a game in April. I'm tired of the conversation. Well, well, Cam, you make a good point, um, and and it's it's well taken. Uh, you know, it's just the conversation comes up because you know we still see those empty seats, and I don't think it's one, unfortunately, that's going to go away anytime soon. But but let, let's let's push forward though. I, I want to get back to the stuff on the field, and and we've, as you pointed out, we spent enough time on this subject, so I want to get more to stuff on the field. Let's say hypothetically, and we have a long way to go. You know, Kaya Rozier are going to come in soon. Uh, Ryan Williams is ahead of schedule on his, you know, the rehabilitation he just started. His surgery went well. But let's just say Olsen's a guy. And and this question, I'm going to start with you, Josh, and I'm going to ask all three guys. There's going to be a lot of speculation on this question. Can this team win eight, nine, ten games with Olsen being the quarterback and us being a, a run-first offense and leaning on our defense? Do you think we can go that route? Uh, Josh, and, and have a successful season? Well, sure, I think we can. Um, I personally, uh, I mean, obviously, Colson did not have a great night last night, um, but I think there was a lot of things working against him. Um, he had just, he had had two practices as the starting quarterback in his life at University of Miami and was thrown into a game situation to play. Um, he didn't have his top two running backs there, Um I just I think there was a lot working against him. Obviously, he could have played a little bit better, but I think it's entirely possible for us to win eight, nine, ten games. Um, obviously, our schedule is definitely more difficult than last year, um, starting with opening night against Louisville on the road, um, and then of course our other gauntlet of games. Um, we, have to, we have to go to Nebraska. Um, we have of course the annual game with Florida State. Um, but do I think it's possible? Absolutely. I think if with a full camp that has Olsen as the starter when he knows he's the guy and get it, building that chemistry with Stacy Coley, who I believe only had one catch last night, and getting Duke Johnson and Joseph Yearby on the field and having the defense just play better and, you know, hold down the fort, as it were, I definitely think it's possible. All right, Cam, uh, do you think our offensive line is good enough? We we know Duke Johnson's good enough. We suspect Yerby's good enough. Do you think we can be a, a run the ball 30, 40, 45 times a game and let, you know, either Kaya or Olsen throw the ball 15 to 20 and, and have a successful season? Uh, for an entire season, no, I don't see that, honestly. Um, I think that with the change of quarterback, even to Ryan Williams, I think that eight wins, maybe nine, is our ceiling uh, for this year. Um, I did, and you know, it would really take something special from uh, Kaya or Olsen or Rozier or whomever is to play quarterback to really elevate past that. But 
honestly, as we sit here right now, even with an improved defense, I think eight, maybe nine wins is our ceiling, regardless. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, unless, and, and, and it's a lot to ask considering where we're starting from, unless the defense develops into a dominating defense, uh, it's going to be tough. Um, same question for you, Scott. What, what do you think the ceiling is? What do you think our identity is going forward? Well, I hate to be the naysayer, but uh, you know, I, I just don't see Kevin Olsen right now with and and this isn't basing it on his performance from last night because last night is what you know what it was. It was a glorified practice. But he is a redshirt freshman and I don't know if if Brad Kaya coming in is the answer either. I, I just think that we need Ryan Williams back there and it's just not gonna happen, at least in in the the, the, the beginning part of the season. I think Cam is right. I think that if we had Ryan back there, eight or nine wins was a realistic number. Uh, Right now, I think it's going to be significantly less than that. I just don't think that the play from the quarterback position, regardless who it is, if it's not Ryan Williams, is going to be enough to carry the day. You can't run the ball 35 to 40 times a game behind that line. I mean, that's just not, not the way we're built. I just don't see it. I mean, I would like to, but I just don't know if Duke can take the pounding. You got, you know, Yerby who's going to split carries with him, but how many times realistically can they carry the ball? I mean, that that's not Miami's offense. It it, it never has been. You know, at least yeah, last year. I was just going to say, to your point, um, if we become predictable, you're going to see eight and nine-man fronts, too, and that's going to make it even harder to run the ball. So um, I, I, I tend to agree with you guys. I hate to be... Uh, the bearer of bad news, but I think the best hope for having a big year this year is to get Ryan Williams back in time from Nebraska and hope you can scrape your way through the first couple of games. Um, uh, and, you know, last night reestablished that opinion for me that it, it could be a rougher year than we think. Our, our expectations need to be tempered. Um, but, I mean, you never know. There's a lot of time between now and September. A lot of room for improvement, but a lot of time to improve. So, so we'll have to see how that develops. Um, I'm gonna switch uh, gears here real quick, and uh, you know, one of the big things of uh, yesterday was the releasing of the new uniforms. Um, a lot of guys don't care. A lot of guys think they're fantastic. A lot of guys think you know this is a waste of time. But uh, you know, they the school uh, put a lot of time and effort into. To turning this into something of an event, the releasing of the uniforms. So I got to ask your guys' opinions. Uh, uh, Josh, what do you think of the new uniforms? When I saw them for the very first time, I expecting to be wowed. There was so much build up to them, and the very first time I saw them, I wasn't entirely wowed. But they, after looking at them the past twenty four hours, they have definitely grown on me. Um, I think they're pretty awesome. Um, I like that we're keeping the old helmet as uh, part of the rotation, um, if anything, just to keep the uh, fan base happy. But I do really like the uh, new helmets that they came out with. I like that Ibis logo um, kind of in the back of the U, uh, the holographic U there. Um, and I think my favorite would have to be the uh, those new orange ones. Uh, those are pretty awesome looking. Uh, uh, going backwards here, uh, Scott, were you impressed? I thought they looked nice. I mean, I, you know, it was a little different, you know, something new, something that, that, that the team can build a new identity with. But 
You know me, Jerry. I'm a traditionalist. I'm old school. You know, show me the uniforms from the from the late '80s, early '90s, and I'm happy with those. Uh, you know, I, um, I I have no problem with the new uniforms. It's a, it's a sign of the times. Teams are changing. Uh, Under Armour and Nike are going to compete to see who can have the most combinations per team. Uh, I think they, 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 there was a debate in the press box last night as to how many different combinations Miami can wear uh, with, with their new equipment. And it was anywhere from 32 to 50, depending on who you were listening to. Uh, you know, and that's what the kids want. The kids want the, the, the new and upcoming uniform. So, you know, let them have them. You know, it, it, I'm more concerned with who's wearing the uniforms than, than actually what the uniforms look like. Uh, if the recruits Cam, like them, I like them. Yeah, and and Cam, that was what I was going to ask you next. Is does this actually? Do you think this actually helps recruiting? And and your overall opinion on after all the build up on what they actually look like? Um, I think it does help recruiting to a point. Um, we talked last week about not going, you know, over crazy towards the uh, Maryland state flag uniforms like they have, and I don't think that we did that. Um, you know, it's something new, it's something different. Um, with the renewed uh, initiative, I'm sorry, renewed identity website that uh, the UM Athletics did, that was really awesome. Nike had a thing up on their website, and there's some actual tech of the the fabric and whatnot. That's new and different uh, and cutting edge, so that's pretty cool. Uh, the kids like that, um, and you know, personally, I like all the designs, even the the secondary and tertiary helmets. You know, the main U helmet, the clean white with the stripe, that's going to be the main helmet. I'm going to use these other two sometimes. So everybody who was freaking out about, you know, destroying the helmet, pump the brakes, that the regular normal classic helmet is going to stay in there. For my tastes, um, I want the Stormtrooper uniforms to be clean, white only, exclusively. Um, and they put some of the green accents on there, uh, on the jersey part. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I like it enough. But to me, just like, you know, in Star Wars, stormtroopers need to be clean white from head to toe. But, you know, that's a minor gripe uh, in my personal taste. But overall, very pleased with the new designs. I, I got to admit, I, I wasn't too psyched about this when I when I heard about it because I had visions of Oregon and Maryland and all kinds of other silly things in my head. But they are pretty cool, I, and I agree with you. I really like the stormtrooper. And I know it's not new because they kind of previewed them last year, but I really like smoke and um, the the kind of grayish, uh, charcoalish color. And, um, you know, there's an old expression, look good, feel good, do good. If the kids feel good and look good in their uniforms and it helps them play better or helps them recruiting, uh, I'm all for it. I, I've done a 180 on this one. I, I, I thought it was silly, but now I'm kind of psyched for it. So, all right, guys, uh, we're going to take a short break. Um I'm going to remind folks about the Amigo Show, but when we come back, we're going to talk baseball. So get some baseball thoughts in your head uh, while I do a quick promotion. I want to remind people that are listening that every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern, the Amigo Show comes on, and the Amigo has great guests like Alonzo Highsmith. Uh, the Amigo's a character. He had Al Golden a couple weeks ago, and uh, it's usually fun. TheStateOfTheU.com presents The Amigo Show. The Amigo Show, back on the air here on Blog Talk Radio. Call the show, 347-857-3419. I'm going to be able to say whatever the heck I want about the program that I adore. You can follow the show on Twitter, 
at The Amigo Show. I am Homer. Homer the Amigo. That's right, that's me. I'm, I'm Hurricane Homer right here on Blog Talk Radio. That's me. And now your host, Larry the Amigo Million. I know, that's a 1960s word. Hogwash. pressure on me to do anything like that, but it's it's fun. It's a good chance for me to take a break from talking. But uh, I want to get to a, something that's uh, a really exciting thing that's been going on. The University of Miami Hurricanes baseball team, after today's victory over Pittsburgh, has now won 12 in a row. I'm going to start with you on this one, Cam. Um, I, I know you've been tied up with recruiting in the spring game and all kinds of things, but have you watched that many games, and what are you seeing? What's the key? Uh, yeah, I have actually watched a few games. I think I've been to three games this year uh, so far, which uh, is a lot for me um, to go to baseball. But, yeah, I've uh, seen some really good things. Zach Collins, who started the year one for 20-something, uh, has been absolutely tearing the cover off of the ball. I haven't tweeted uh, since – or his updated stats since, like, Wednesday, but he was hitting, like, 400 over his last 11 games with a few bombs and some RBIs. He is doing really well. Willie Abreu is doing really well. Starting pitching is locked down. Um, and the uh, the defense is not, you know, throwing the ball over the place and booting it around like they're playing soccer anymore. Uh, so the errors are not uh, as prevalent. And you can see, you know, that uh, things are starting to do a little bit better. Um, you know, Jim Moore still likes to go to the bunt a little bit too much. Uh, like he had Willie Abreu, number three hitter, uh, leading hitter on the team, try to bunt somebody over today. Uh, and Cutler Ridge Laz, uh, one of the best, uh, most outspoken Kings fans in the world, uh, he took to Twitter and he was at the game sitting behind Abreu's mom and he asked, uh, you know, Abreu's mom, he's like, yo, when, how many times in high school did this kid bunt? And she laughed and said, never. Like, look at him. And he's 6'4, 220 pounds and he hit the ball, you know, 700 feet. Like, why would he ever bunt? Uh, so some of those things are frustrating, but uh, they've really gotten great momentum going. And every night, you know, Zach Collins has been a constant, Willie Abreu, two freshmen have been constants. But every night there's somebody else or two or three other people stepping up and making plays, uh, and it's just really uh, grown into this great streak that we've seen. Uh, yeah, and it seems like um, and I haven't gotten to watch that much of them, but I, I have been following very closely and keeping in touch with uh, Barry Robinson, who's on our staff that, you know, covers baseball exclusively for us. And it seems like there's a different hero every day, and they're winning different ways. One day it's the pitching, then they have an offensive outbreak. They've had walk-offs, they've had comebacks, they've had clean wins. Um, so it's, it's pretty exciting when a team can find so many different ways to win. That makes them very dangerous. Um, Scott? Now, i got to put you on the spot here. The last time you and I talked baseball on this show, you, you called for uh, Jim Morris's head. Uh, are you now thinking that Morris has turned the ship around? Are you more happy with the job Morris has been doing? And what, what's your impression of the baseball team? I think I gave Jim Morris a wake-up call. <laughs> I think that uh, this is what happens when, when pitching and hitting uh, work together. 
I think that they're they're playing good fundamental baseball. Uh, they're getting timely hits. Uh, you know, Cam was right. You know, Zach Collins hitting the cover off the ball, uh, and they've got some guys that are hot. And uh, this is what I wanted to see out of this team. This is what this team is capable of. This is the way they should be playing. They're a very good baseball team. Yeah, I, a dozen in a row is a dozen in a row, and I mean they're they're playing ACC opponents here, so I, you know, you have to give credit where credit's due. I mean they're really playing well, and it, it really uh, bodes well for the rest of the season and and their chances to get back to Omaha. Uh, Josh, how much of the team have you watched? Well, I don't get to see them that much uh, up here in Jacksonville, but um, I try to check in on them every once every uh, chance I can, and. Um, I think you hit it on the head. It's a little bit of everything that's been going on. Um, it's the hitting. It's sometimes, sometimes the pitching. Um, I feel like every time I go and check the box score after work or uh, or whatnot, that it's uh, something else has happened. And um, you could say that's a good thing. They're not just winning one way. So, um, like like Scott said, this is a really good team that I think could uh, contend for the national title. And I think they're finally playing up to that. Absolutely. So, Cam, what would make this season a success? Is it national championship or bust? Is it, you know, what what are you looking for from this team going forward to, you know, what's your expectation? Get to Omaha and then see what happens because, you know, once you get there, uh, you know, it, anything can happen. You get a couple guys who get hot, you know, back in uh, 99 or 01, Kevin Brown, our first baseman, he hit like 9,000 home runs in that College World Series, um, and he hadn't really done much all year long. So that's really what I'm looking for. If we can continue this, get through regionals, get through super regionals, uh, which we should be hosting if everything continues as it has been, um, get to Omaha and then see what happens. You know, basically, as long as you're in the playoffs or, you know, the finals of the playoffs, you know, take what you can get. And that would be a success for me. Absolutely. And, Scott, are you uh, your expectations still sky high? I'd like to see the team get to Omaha. I mean, it's been a while since we've been there, and uh, I'd like to see them perform well there. Uh, and, you, you know, th- th- this is the University of Miami. This is the way we're supposed to play that. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, baseball. This is the way we're supposed to play. You know, these are the expectations that the program carries. Uh, this is one of the top college uh, programs in the nation, and this is what the fan base expects. And I think that short of them going to Omaha, I, 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 I think that, that you know there there could be some problems. And uh, Josh, you think uh, it's Omaha or bust as well? Yeah, definitely. I think it's um, at this point that's not a successful season unless they make it to Omaha, especially if they're hosting the regionals and super regionals. Um, again, once you get there, it's uh, it's a whole different ball game. Anything can happen. Um, but I definitely think uh, the season, the success of the season hinges on whether they go to Omaha or not. Absolutely. Uh, I, I'm in agreement with you guys. Um, I think they've really shown during this winning streak uh, how, how good a team they really are. Uh, the hitting is much better than what it was last year. Pitching, uh, it seems like the bullpen's getting a little bit better. Um, and as I said earlier, they're finding different ways to win, and, and a team that can win a lot of different ways uh, is dangerous. Um, you might not have the bats every day. Uh, you might get a rough outing from a starting pitcher. If you can come back and win when your your pitcher doesn't have his A stuff, 
if you could hold the other team down with your bullpen and you can chip away at, at games the way they have, uh, it's, it's extremely impressive. So we'll see going forward, and that should be fun. Uh, in other news this week, uh, Miami inducted eight players into the UM Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, Andre Johnson, obviously everybody knows who he is. James Jones, who's currently on the Heat, sharpshooter. Uh, Jeff Morrison from baseball. Um, Clinton Portis. Uh, Javier Rodriguez, another baseball player. Lamar Thomas, football. Um, I want you guys, we're going to do something a little fun here. I want you guys to come up with a Keynes Mount Rushmore. Um, you have no shortage of candidates. Um, I, I want you guys to tell me who you'd put on your Keynes Mount Rushmore, who you think are the, the faces of the program. It could be football, basketball. You could put Greg Lubinus on there if you want. Uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put oh, Scott on the final Huh? <laughs> I said stealing my thunder. I was going with Lucas. Dang it. Uh well I, I, I you know, I didn't say I was gonna go with him. I just said you could. You could go with go Lugana. So so Cam, I'm gonna let you uh ponder for a couple minutes if uh you wanna switch that answer up. I'm gonna put Scott on the spot here first. Scott, give me your your, your Keynes Mount Rushmore. Oh my! Uh, I'm going to throw Rick Barry up there. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to, uh, you know, which one of the quarterbacks do you put on the Mount Rushmore? Do you, uh, do, you do you go with the one that won the first national championship? Do you put Bernie Kosar up there? Sure, let's throw Bernie up there. Uh, I'm going to put Michael Irvin up there. I'm going to put Mike Fiore up there. All right. Explain that one for us. Mike Fiore was a baseball player at the University of Miami back in the late 80s. Uh, and uh, he was an Olympian, and he had he had a nice career with the Cardinals, and then he, he, was, an, he, he was an administrator for USA Baseball with Ron Frazier. Uh, he, he helped the program in the late 80s, and uh, I think you got to, especially this time of the year, you got to put somebody from baseball on the Mount Rushmore. Excellent. Uh, and that, that's a good variety. So, uh, so I like your answer, Scott. Now, while Cam dives into this question, get it, Dives? <laughs> while Cam dives into this question, I'm going to go with you, Josh. Who's your Who's your team's Mount Rushmore? Oh, goodness. Um, am I allowed to put coaches on this route, Mount Rushmore, or is this only players? Anybody Anybody you want. All right. Then I, I don't know how you can do it without Howard Schellenberger as one of them. Um... I'll put uh, Gino Toretta up there, one of the Heisman winners. Um, I'll put I'll put Jimmy Johnson, another coach, up there, just because uh, I think he's the one that really established the Miami football team as it was known back in the eighties. Okay. And for my last one, um, hmm. Can, I, can we go to Cam and come back to me? Do I have to do this now? Like, <laughs> you have to do it now. You have ten seconds, or your Mount Rushmore is going to be missing a head. Oh man, um, I'll go with uh, Ed Reed. I'll put a defensive player up there, Ed Reed. All right, fair enough. Now, Cam, you've had the most time. Who, who's your team's Mount Rushmore? Well, first of all, you guys are stealing my thunder um, <laughs> again and again with Schnellenberger. Um, and Rick Barry, 
But I got to go Rick Barry for basketball, uh, NBA or basketball Hall of Famer, including his time in college. Greg Luganis, uh, multi-time Olympian uh, and champion, got to go with him also. My number three, uh, I'm going to go Pat Burrell from baseball, number one overall pick um, from the baseball team back in the late 90s. So that's three. And then number four, um, I'm going to stick with my number one pick team. I'm going to go with Russell Maryland from uh, the football team. All right. Can't go wrong with those four. And now I'm going last on this one, and you guys have mentioned guy and guy and guy and guy that I wanted to put up there. So I'm going to just have to, like, uh, go off the cuff here. and I don't want to repeat answers. Uh, I'm going to go Sean Taylor, the late great one. I don't think there's any player that I've ever seen that had a better combination of coverage skills and hitting um, um, in one player at the safety position. So I'm going to go with him. Uh, nobody said Andre Johnson, just a personal favorite of mine, beast mode. Seems like every uh, team in the NFL now has a guy that's 6'3", 6'4", 200, you know, to 220. And I think, um, you know, there are guys like that before him, but I think uh, teams really started to see how, how the receiver position evolved when, when he came about. So I, I go Andre Johnson along with Taylor. But I love basketball. And you guys said Rick Barry, and that's a good one. And, and Coach L is still going, so I can't put Coach L up there. I'm going to go Tim James, who was an outstanding player when I was at the U back in the 90s, one of the uh, few players, number 40, that's retired. And uh, up in the Bank United Center, um, they have his number up there. He was a six foot seven, uh, small forward who actually played out of position, played power forward, um, and, and was a great player, great medium-range jumper, fantastic athlete. He was like a six seven version of Swope in terms of uh, how he could jump and dunk and, you know, block shots and just just a great player. And he played a couple of years in the NBA before he actually went on to become a Marine and uh, serve our country as well. So you're talking about not just a great basketball player, but an American hero, in my opinion. Um, and last but not least, wow, um, I've actually run out of guys here, but I think I will go with Jim Kelly for my last one because Jim Kelly was the first in the long lineage of quarterbacks that – you know, developed us into what's known as quarterback U, what they call Miami. It was Jim Kelly was there uh, before uh, Kozar, and he didn't win any national championships, but I'm going to go Kelly. So so those are my four. And uh, great job on the answers, guys. I know, uh, you know, for those who listen, I just kind of come up with these things on the spot. Uh, we usually kind of outline the show, but it's fun to put you guys on the spot and, you know, hear you guys squirm a little bit on, on some of these answers. So, um, we're kind of getting to the close of the show. We've covered a lot of ground here today. Uh, we've had some good conversation about the spring. You know, we've had some good conversation about the baseball team. Um, uh, Cam, any closing thoughts? Um, overall, I think that, you know, the spring was positive. Uh, you know, obviously besides the injury things that were going on. Um, but I think that it was positive, uh, and I think that people maybe need to get out of their feelings a little bit and just, see the progress that the program is making. Um, and, you know, just still be involved fans. I'm not going to say real fans or what you should do, but be involved, be positive. Uh, and I think that, you know, we're going in a great direction, and I'm really excited uh, for, you know, the recruiting uh, to really kick up over the summer and see what, where we can go from here. Outstanding. Scott, how about yourself? Any closing thoughts? Yeah, I, I don't want people to get too caught up in the spring game and, and the, the, the statistics, 7 for 21. 
because I, I don't think it was a real uh, e- example of, of football at its best. Uh, I, I think Olsen's capable of doing some things. Uh, he's a good quarterback. He comes from a good football family. He's got good lineage. Uh, and, you know, stranger things have happened. I mean, he's got a good supporting cast around him. He's got a good line. He's got good running backs. He's got good receivers. The defense is playing better. Uh, anything can happen uh, this this upcoming football season. We've, we've got uh, uh, 20 recruits coming in that are going to contribute to the mix. And I, I think that you know, the season hasn't even started yet, but there's a lot of football to be played. And uh, I, I think that that the Canes have an outstanding chance to be a very, very good football team. Josh, how about you? Closing thoughts? Um, I'll just say this, and I'll uh, take the word from our illustrious leader, Al Golden. Um, just trust the process. You know, we were people, we were in a bad place. People forget, um, even as early as last year, uh, with the, that cloud of potential NCAA sanctions hanging over us, and now with actual sanctions, in there and you know we were a lot worse off than people thought or think or remember and it's going to take a little while to get back to the Miami we all know and love and just if you just trust the process of getting better I think um, you'll enjoy watching this team a little bit more all right guys great great thoughts Uh, I'll just close with this Uh, a year ago today did anybody think Auburn would be playing for a national championship? No. A year ago today, a guy named Jacob Coker, who's probably going to be a pretty good quarterback at Alabama this year, uh, was, was kind of neck and neck with Jameis Winston uh, for the Florida State job. Uh, you know, I can, I can go on and do an, a whole entire show called A Year Ago Today about things that have changed between, you know, where we sit today and where we were a year ago. So uh, we do need to all calm down. I, I'm as guilty as anybody of being a standing fan in a very demanding fan base. Um, expectations are always high. That's what happens when you support a team that has five national championships for football. Um, so, I mean, let's let's all, as Josh pointed out, trust the process. Let's all calm ourselves down. Let's all, um, you know, as Cam pointed out, highlight the positives. Um, you know, Scott made some good points there, too, about, um, giving Olsen time. The 7-for-21 looks ugly on paper, but the games aren't played on paper. So um, we've got a long way to go. And um, I hope uh, our fan base uh, continues to be enthusiastic, um, maybe a little more positive than negative. But uh, I, I enjoyed having you guys on the show today, guys, and appreciate it. And I look forward to next week. Um, we never know who's going to be on. We might get some guests. It could be just uh, State of the U staff. I appreciate everybody that listens. Thanks, guys. Bye, Jerry. Take care, Jerry.